you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Morning Church, my name is Manus. Um, I have the privilege of serving on the welcoming team for the last six months or so. Um, during the week, I study um, to be a secondary teacher at Monash University. Um, today we'll be reading from John 10, um, verses 1 to 11. Please read with me. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheephole by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of, he, of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper, gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life, and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, City on a Hill, Melbourne East, and City on a Hill, Wollongong. Uh, I actually have a, a bit of a sore voice this morning, and I forgot you guys have two services here at City on Melbourne East. Uh, so I'm going to pray uh, for me in my voice, but also that we'll listen to the voice of Jesus, the Good Shepherd. So how about I pray before we get into God's Word? Jesus, we thank you that you are the Good Shepherd that laid down your life for the sheep. As we now come to this topic and to your word, please teach us wisdom. Help us to trust in the good shepherd and to listen to his voice and his voice alone. Lord, when you lead us to green pastures, may we praise you and worship you and stay close to you. Lord, when you lead us into valleys, may we also, though, intentionally stay close to you in the darkness of the night where we cannot see you can and you are good, is to help us trust you and live a life of wisdom, knowing that joy and abundant life is not found in the world, but it's found in you. And we pray all this in Jesus' beautiful name. Uh, Amen. Last week, uh, Nick and I kicked off this series, uh, The Vine, the Trellis and the Crow, and uh, both of us walked through those three images. And today we're going to continue to talk about the trellis. Uh, If you know anything about how a vine grows, a vine needs a structure to grow. It it needs a trellis that will uh, enable it so it doesn't wander off, but also so it has the energy to grow fruit. And so is the same case when it comes to us as followers of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. And for us to abide in Jesus, what is really helpful and wise is for us to have a trellis that helps us abide. And one trellis that has been used throughout the history of this church is something called a rule of life. A rule of life. 
Our English word rule comes from the Latin word regular, which means trellis or straight piece of wood. And so effectively, a rule of life is a way of living, a way of living. So for example, a rule of life is your practices, it's your habits, it's, it's what you do each and every single day. If you're still not with me, um, hypothetically, I want you to imagine if someone was to follow you for a month, if someone was to look at what you did each and every day and wrote down your habits, if they noticed how many hours you slept at night, if they looked at how much time you spent on screen time, going through reels on Instagram, uh, if they looked at how many hours you worked each day, if they looked at your eating habits as well as your exercise habits, and then if they wrote it all down on a piece of paper, that would effectively be your rule of life. Winston Churchill doesn't need any introduction, and he says this about his rule of life. It's quite cheeky. He says, My rule of life, prescribed as absolutely sacred rights, smoking cigars, and also the drinking of alcohol before, after, and if need be, during all meals in the intervals between them. Everyone has a rule of life. A way of living, whether your rule of life is written down or not. But our goal for this series, across all our Sydney Hill churches, is to enable you and is to help you write down and then live out a rule of life. It's to think about a trellis that will help you abide in Jesus and bear much fruit and stay close to Him. Now, why are we doing this? Well, Throughout the history of the church, spiritual leaders have written rules of life for people to follow. I believe Nick mentioned last week that Bonhoeffer, the German pastor, wrote a rule of life for his seminary students in Germany during World War II. But also numerous pastors throughout history have written rules of life for their churches to follow. You know, what was quite common actually is churches would have uh, what is called a rule of faith, what we probably call a statement of faith now that just defines what you believe as a church, but also that have a rule of life which states how a church would live. But to help us truly understand a rule of life, we need to begin with Saint Benedict. Saint Benedict. He was not the first person to write a rule of life, but his one is probably the most famous. And so in other words, he's probably the original gangster of the rule of life. And so let's go through and get to know more about St. Benedict and why and how he came up with a rule of life. Benedict, if you don't know, was born in 480 AD in Italy to wealthy parents. And uh, it was destined for him to become a noble like his father. He was educated from an early age. But then when he went to Rome at the age of 20, uh, he was overwhelmed and disgusted by uh, the paganism, by the busyness, and just basically by the dirtiness of the city. And so he left Rome and he went out to the Italian mountains. And Benedict loved God. And he wanted to know God deeper. And so when he came across this monk who recommended that he would spend three years as a hermit in a cave to grow deeper in his love for Jesus, Benedict signed up. The monk gave him some clothes and gave him some food and provided him. But effectively, Benedict lived in the cave for three years, praying and doing his best to grow in his relationship and love for Jesus. This was like a detox from the world. And these three years radically changed Benedict's life and character. So much so that after these three years, a a nearby monastery came up to Benedict and asked him to become their abbot. 
Now, if you don't know what an abbot is or a monastery, a monastery is effectively this place where a whole bunch of monks would go and separate themselves from the world to live, to work, and to worship. And an abbot was the leader of the monastery, right? So they go to Benedict and they want him to become the abbot. They're like, man, you're a godly man, come lead us. And so Benedict goes, but he fails. The monks are rebellious. They don't listen to his rules or his teaching. And so effectively, he leaves this monastery and he goes back to his cave. But then eventually, another monastery calls up. Well, they don't call him, I suppose, you know, whatever it was to get him his attention and, uh, and you know, whatever stuff they have in a cave back then to, uh, to connect with people. And then he goes and he leads one monastery and then he is successful. And he eventually leads 12 of these monasteries and pioneers 12 monasteries in the Italian mountains. And then eventually as well, he builds the famous Monte Cassino Abbey, his huge monastery. He's about 67 years old by then. And as he creates and leads this huge monastery for lots of monks, uh, he writes his famous rule of life. Now, by this time, Benedict had a lot of experience of leading rebellious monks, right? And so this rule of life is quite comprehensive, okay? It has 73 parts to it. It's 113 pages long. And yet in this rule of life, he's trying to train and teach and form these monks to abide in Jesus. Um, this guide, though, it didn't just talk about prayer. It talked about um, you know, the spiritual, the, the physical, um, the relational, and also the, the mental. Like, like this rule of life, it covered things like you know, how to serve God, how to worship, yes, how to pray, yes, but also how to work, how to rest, how to show hospitality to guests, how to relate with one another internally in relationships, but also how to relate and submit to the abbot, the leader of the monastery. He learned a few lessons, right? Now, monks and monasteries is probably really unfamiliar to many of us, those in Wollongong or those here at Melbourne East. But I want you to understand that Benedict was a Christian. Like, he loved Jesus. He wanted to abide in Christ. He took that calling seriously. He was transformed by the gospel of grace. Like he knew that he is saved by faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, not by the things that he does. He understood what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, that we are saved by grace alone, not by our works. And yet because we are saved by grace, we are created to go do good works. He believed in the gospel and he also genuinely knew and believed that if you love Jesus and understood the gospel of grace, then you would want to live differently. You'd want to abide in Christ. Benedict says this in his rule. He says, your way of acting should be different from the world's way. The love of Christ must come before all else. Now, it's important for you to know as godly as Benedict was and as great as his rule of life was, um, there was many monks who resisted Benedict's rule and his rule of life. Many monks who didn't like Benedict and, and what he taught and his rule of life. And so Benedict had to expel many monks throughout his time and in his monasteries. He had to rebel monks who just were spreading rumors about him. He had to rebel monks who uh, were lazy or were disobedient. Uh, get this, it's even rumored, and it's a complete rumor, that maybe one monk actually poisoned Benedict and that is how he died. 
I think one thing that we can all agree upon is as humans, we don't like rules, do we? You know, we don't like someone telling us what to do. You know, as you're, as you're, you're a little kid, what do you do? You hate rules when you're a little kid, right? And then you become an adult, and then you think rules are meant to be broken. You know, if you're the oldest child here, you hate rules because you feel like you always got to follow them, right? Growing up, you've got to be the responsible one. You feel this pressure to follow the rules of your parents. And if you're the younger sibling, you feel like you have this pressure just to rebel against the rules, right? Like, we just don't like rules. Within all of us, there is these little tiny, if I can say it this way, uh, monks that want to rebel and want to resist the rules of life that are placed upon us. We think rules... When we think of rules, we think of maybe negative school rules. We don't necessarily think of like maybe like rules in a sporting game that exists for your fun and for your flourishments. When we think of rules, our culture thinks that rules control us and limit our freedom. But paradoxically, a good rule of life will help you find freedom and joy in Jesus. Look, we may not like rule language. But the reality is, is that each of us is looking for guidance. Each of us is looking for a good way to live or maybe a good rule. Like this is why Jordan Peterson's book, 12 Rules of Life, has been so successful. But also this is why the teaching of Jesus has been and always will be influential. The rule of life is a term that's not used in the Bible, but the principles are in the Bible. For example, in the Old Testament, the law was effectively a rule of life for the Israelites, a practical way as to how to follow God and do what he wants. And then in the New Testament, Jesus, he comes and he says, I am the truth, but also I am the way. In the Gospels, Jesus unpacks a new law of love, which you can also call a new rule of life, a new way of living. He's constantly calling people to not only believe in him, but to follow him and to build their life based upon his teaching. Like if you know the scriptures, you know that parable where Jesus talks about how we're called to, if we build our, our life upon Jesus' words, then we won't be like the foolish man who builds his life on sand, but instead we'd be like the person, the wise man who builds his life on a rock. In the book of Acts, we see that the early church had an unwritten basic rule of life of rhythms and practices. You know, you can see that they had a rhythm of what they did in ministry. The disciples preached and they prayed. The early church, they gathered um, in large gatherings in the temple and then they gathered in smaller gatherings in the home. And then throughout the New Testament, the epistles, Peter, James, John, and more, they constantly encourage us not just to believe in Jesus, but to follow him, to, to live lives of sacrifices, not just with our minds, but with our bodies. And we're called to do so intentionally, not haphazardly. I love how the author, William Paul Sell, says it like this. He says, it's unlikely that we will deepen our relationship with God in a casual or haphazard manner. There'll be a need for some intentional commitment and some reorganization in our lives, but there's nothing that will enrich our lives more than a deeper and clearer perception of God's presence in the routine of daily living. Sit on a hill, resist the rebellious, insubordinate, lazy, and negative monk that is within you. Ignore the crow that's trying to stop you from following Jesus and build a life that will help you abide in him. Now, like I said, the goal of this series is to help you build a rule of life, to help you write down your desired habits, rhythms, and practices. 
When describing a rule of life, uh, the author and pastor from America, Rich uh, Villardus, says this. He says, a rule of life is not a to-do list, it's a formation framework, a prayer document, a collection of spiritual, sorry, spirit-empowered practices used for the purpose of discerning God's leading in a particular season of our lives. Now, we as a movement of churches here at Sydney Hill, uh, we could have given you a communal rule. Maybe we could have given you Benedict's rule, 73 parts, 113 pages, said, read it, live it out, right? Or we could have, you know, said, credit our own rule of life as a city on a hill, you know, rule. Uh, would have had nice fonts, I could guarantee that, and a good video to come with it. But instead, for this series, we think what would be more beneficial for us who don't live in a monastery, but for us who lives here in Melbourne or in Wollongong, for us to do the work of writing a personal rule that thinks about our life and what does it look like for us to follow Jesus. And that's why we went on to this effort to create for you this practical guide. Uh, if you get to grab one of these, I think I believe you can grab one of these at the desk here today or in Wollongong. Uh, if you can't get a physical copy, you can also download one by going to cdonahill.com.au forward slash vine trellis crow. I will not be offended. Matter of fact, I encourage you right now, even get your phone out, download and go through this guide, have a look at it. Uh, personally, I wrote this guide and so I'm pretty invested in this. So read it, right? Like went to a lot of effort to create this for you. But also because I wrote this with the help of Louis as well from Surf Coast, uh, yeah, I want to talk about this guide and the thinking before it and behind it. Uh, but very quickly before I do that, um, personally, I've been using a rule of life now for a few years. I am 35 years old. I do not have my life figured out, right? And I do not have the perfect rule of life, nor do I live it out perfectly. But I have found so much wisdom and, and joy in this tool and in this trellis. It uh, gives me a vision of the sort of man that, that I want to become with Jesus. It gives me a holistic view of my life. Psalm 90, verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. A rule of life helps me understand that, you know what, I think there's 4,000 weeks in the human, average human life expectancy. This helps me think through how do I want to live out those weeks and abide in Jesus? But also, you know, Titus, I think it's chapter 2, uh, he says to Titus to say to young men that they need to live lives that are self-controlled. And as a young man, I need to be self-controlled and I, and I need help because I'm not that self-controlled. And I find a rule of life so helpful for me to review and think about how I'm living out my life. And so I really want to encourage you from not just for the point of this series, but from just, I guess, personal experience, it is really helpful for you to abide in Christ. And so please get one of these guides and um, start today thinking and writing out a rule of life. But I want to be clear, this guide, it is lengthy, you know? Like, I didn't create a one-pager for you to go through. I didn't create, like, an Instagram reel that you can just quickly look at in 20 seconds and be like, sweet, rule of life, done, tick, let's move on. It's meant to be enjoyed with a cup of tea in hand, slowly, with time to reflect and with the Holy Spirit with you. And so feel free to have it open, or, um, but I just want to walk through a few things here. Uh, in this guide, what you come across is there's an introduction uh, to, I guess, the booklet, and then also there's uh, step one, which is foundations. Uh, please, please, please don't skip the introduction and step one. I know I'm biased because I wrote this, but um, in step one, it's basically laying a foundation for you of holiness and sanctification. It's, in, in step one, we're going to get you to reflect upon the scriptures. We're going to get you to invite the Holy Spirit into your heart and to, and to think about what your view is on, on holiness 
and, and the Trinitarian God and how he's holy and how he wants you to be holy. We, we talk about something called grace-driven effort, right? That in respond to grace, we, we want to go do good works. And we talk about the power of community. Please, please, please do not skip this section. Um, especially if you're new to church or new to following Jesus, please do not skip this section because rule language will probably confuse you. You need to know this, Christianity, right? The gospel is not about us being good people who follow rules so that God will love us. To be clear, that is not what the Bible teaches. It's not what we believe as a church or what Jesus proclaims. No, actually, as Christianity, we believe in the complete opposite. We believe that we are bad people who are really horrible at following rules and commandments of God, but God loves us anyway. That God is for us. That God loves us Graciously, The word grace means an undeserved gift. So I need you to know this, right? Like if you're here in this room and life is just not going according to plan because of your own mistakes, Christianity is not about you fixing up your life so God will love you. He already loves you abundantly, graciously. No, Christianity instead is just about you understanding that love and then going living a changed life because of it. And so know this, God loves you. You don't deserve it, but he does graciously. That's what the, the good news of the gospel is about, the good news of grace. And yet, please notice this, as Dallas Willard famously says, you've probably heard this quote a thousand times or you will by the end of this series, grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. You see, when you understand the grace of God and have good theology, you, you understand that you have a drive to want to be holy and, a rule, and you'll have a drive to want to live out a rule of life. And so step one, basically foundations is theology. So look into that. Uh, step two is the examine. The examine. Um, in this section, we want you to invite the Holy Spirit into your life and to examine your life. The author, David Benner, helpfully says, the true spiritual life is not an escape from reality, but a total commitment to it. David says in Psalm 123, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there are any grievous ways in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is a, a step. And once again, this won't take a second. This will take time for you to just be honest with yourself. To be honest with your heart and how you're following Jesus. but also to be honest with yourself and, and your life, that the season you're in, the, the limits you have, like I'm guessing life is probably not going according to your plans. It never, it never does. You can't rush this step. You need to put your phone down. You need to slow down. You need to face reality. It won't take three years. I promise you like that, like I did for Benedict, okay? But it will take time. Allow the Holy Spirit to search you. Lean into what is called the ancient prayer of examine to help you. Step one is foundation. Step two is examine. Step three is when we build a new rule of life. We think about what are some habits, what are some practices, what are some things that we can do to help us abide in Jesus. Now, um, Benedict's rule, like I mentioned, had 73 parts to it, but it effectively could be broken down into four categories. Uh, out of his, his rule. One category was prayer, another one was work, another one was relationships, and the other one was rest. And what I really liked about Benedict's rule is it's holistic. It wasn't just, hey, you need to pray more and read the Bible. 
No, Benedict knew that we're not just spiritual beings, we are physical beings, we're relational beings, and, and also, hey, um, most of us who are not monks have got work to do, right? Like, we go to work and earn a living. And here's the thing, Jesus, he influences all of your life, doesn't he? He influences your spirit, yes, but also your body, as well as your work, your relationships, but also all these areas, to flip that, influence how you follow Jesus. So, for example, when you're physically tired, you don't have wise sleeping habits, what do you probably do? You sin. When you're mentally stressed and don't look after your mental health, what do you do? You make unwise choices. When we overwork, we fail to rest, what do you do? You fail to love those around you. You neglect Jesus because you're too busy. Personally, I find this so life-giving that Jesus not only cares about how I read the Bible and how I pray, he cares about my whole life and everything I do. In step three, we, we, we think about how to build a rule of life which includes spiritual, relational, physical, mental, and vocational elements in our lives. But as you do this, as you build a rule of life, uh, have a word of warning for you or something not to do. It's really important that you don't try and be who Jesus doesn't want you to be. You don't try and be who Jesus doesn't want you to be. Right? So for example, confession time. Uh, most of you probably already know this because uh, um, I have a man crush on Nick Coombs. Right? It's, it's an annoying crush ever since I've met him. You know, I've learned that he's smarter than me. He reads more books than me. You know, he's, he's a better preacher than me. He's fitter than me. He's stronger than me. Right? Like, I think the only thing I have on Nick Coombs is my height which means maybe I'm better at basketball than him. I'm pretty good at basketball, but probably not knowing Nick Coombs, right? It's quite frustrating. And yet, Jesus doesn't want me to be Nick Coombs, does he? No, Jesus doesn't compare me to Nick Coombs and think, man, what a failure. No, instead, Jesus knows Nick Coombs and knows his warts and his flaws and his sins and that he has errors to grow in. But instead, Jesus looks at me and says, hey, ignore Nick, fix your eyes on me the author and perfecter of your faith. Dallas Willard, man, he just has so much helpful quotes, so let's just quote him again. He says this, discipleship is a process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. What this means is that we need to build a rule of life for our lives and that all of our rule of lives should look different because we are different people, right? Some of you in this room, I think you're crazy, but you get up at 5 a.m. with a smile on your face, right? That's okay. You're different to me. Some of us in your room, I also think you're crazy. You're more of a night owl. You go to bed at like 2 a.m., okay? We are different people, and God has created us differently. And so make sure you don't try and copy someone else's rule of life. Be inspired by someone else's rule of life. Be encouraged by it, but do not be discouraged or do not try and copy. Your rule of life should be different to other people's. If step one is foundation, step two is examine, step three is building, step four is maintenance. Now, this is really clear here and key here. Uh, in maintenance, we talk about two things. I'll give you two templates. One is a peer review, which you are, we encourage you to do in gospel community. That's a really good place to do it and to share your rule of life with others. And another one is the weekly review. Um, let me tell you, though, about peer review and why a peer review is really important because I know a lot of you probably won't do it. Uh, every semester at North Park College in Chicago... The professor of religious studies, Scott McKnight, gives his students a test 
on their first day of his Jesus class. And this test contains 24 questions about what do you think Jesus is like? Is he moody? Is he an early riser or a night owl? Uh, Is he the life of the party or is he an introvert? Is he level-headed or is he emotional? And then these questions are followed by some more questions with altered language about the students and their personality. And get this, in almost every test that this has been done on this, everyone thinks that Jesus is just like them. (laughs) Menite says the test results also suggest that even though we like to think we're becoming more like Jesus, the reverse is probably more the case. We try to make Jesus like ourselves. The French philosopher Voltaire said three centuries ago, if God has made us in his image, we have returned him the favour. Sidon Hill, this is why we need to write down, I encourage you to do so, and then share your rule of life with other people. Because we are so easily fooled and deceived by ourselves as to who Jesus is and what does it look like to follow him. This is why we need each other. This is why we need to do life together. This is why we need to be vulnerable and share our rule of life with others. Not to compare, not to compete, not to judge or to criticize, but to encourage each other and to maybe point out some blind spots that we're unaware of. You know, like, so for example, back home in City on Hill, Wollongong, uh, there's a guy called Lex. He owns his own digital marketing business. He's got a young family. His rule of life is going to look different to Gail, who's retired, right, and married, and and her rule of life is going to look different to Kirstie Lee, who has six kids and and homeschools a lot of them, right? Like, all those lives are going to look different, and yet Lex can help Gail, and Gail can help Kirstie Lee, and Kirstie Lee can help Lex review and think about their rule of life and and ask questions and encourage them and, and help them see blind spots so that they'll follow Jesus well. That's the peer review. But also we have this thing called a weekly review. A weekly review. Uh, Let me talk about this. Um, Each of us has rebellious monks within us because we don't like rules, but also because if we're honest, we're impatient, right? We're impatient creatures. You know, we want quick results. We want to pray and then see results. We want to read a book and then we want to know what to do. We want to hear a sermon on the rule of life and think, tick, all right, I know what a rule of life is. We love quick results. And yet real fruit, I wonder if you know this, doesn't grow overnight. And most spiritual fruit doesn't happen overnight as well. It takes trial and error, faithfulness, or in the words of Eugene Peterson, long obedience in the same direction. Yes, I want to be clear, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God can remove an addiction in your life like that. But most of the time, the fruit that he wants to cultivate in your life takes time. He he wants to show you it step by step. I don't believe she's a Christian, but an author and recovering alcoholic, Sarah um, Hebola, says these words. I like it. She says, change is not a bolt of lightning that arises of a zap. It's a bridge built brick by brick every day with sweat and humility and slips. It's hard work and slow work, but it can be thrilling to watch it take shape. You know, fruit can take time, but I also want you to understand this, building a rule of life takes time as well. And this is why we need a weekly examine, or what I do is a a weekly review of my rule of life, and think through, how am I following Jesus, and and where am I falling short, or how am I doing well? 
I do this personally on a Sunday afternoon. It's one of my uh, favorite times in the week, probably with a cup of tea in hand down in my study. Um, and as I do this, I invite the Holy Spirit into my heart. I ask him to help me reflect upon my week. I actually have all the, I guess, different categories that I have in my life. And, and what I do is uh, these categories, for example, Jesus or my wife Emma or prayer, I, I just rate them one out of ten. You know, I might give like, I don't know, a seven to Jesus or a 10, or I might give, a, if I'm fighting my wife, a two, or, you know, my kids, it could be a five or six, or if I'm sleeping really well, a 10. But, but I effectively do this weekly review of my heart and my life. And, you know, I write down as well, okay, where are areas in my life that I have been obedient? And then I want to celebrate that. I want to praise Jesus for his work in my life. And then if there's, I don't know, some low scores, I want to just ask questions. I don't want to beat myself up, Right. Instead, I just want to say, hey, like, what's going on here? You know, like, was I sick this week? Or was I lazy? You know, like, like, what's going on? And especially when I guess that score for Jesus is low, I really want to think through, like, what is the reason behind this? I've been doing this, and what it means is over a few years is that I've had numerous versions of my rule of life. I'm constantly reviewing it. I'm constantly rebuilding it. I'm constantly renovating it. It, doesn't, it takes time to build a rule of life. This document, it's like, it's, it's not written in stone. I love how the author Margaret Gunther says, a good rule of life can set us free to be our true and best selves. It is a working document, a kind of spiritual budget, not carved in stone, but subject to regular review and revision. It should, put, should support us, but never constrict us. And so if, if, if you start this journey of writing down a rule of life, let me say this, it's really easy to write a rule of life. It's a lot harder to live it out. It takes time takes failures. So don't beat yourself up. Um, in 1463, there's an Italian sculptor named Augustino who was commissioned to create a statue of David. Augustino traveled to a quarry where they cut for him this stone that was 5.5 meters long, huge stone, weighed 11,000 tons, right? I don't know about you, but after someone cuts me a stone that big, I'm like, all right, how am I going to transport this, right? And he had to transport it from this quarry to Florence, long distance. It took him two years to transport this stone over land, also over water. But eventually it arrived in Florence. And when it did, everyone flocked to go see it. And uh, in a cheeky way, he nicknamed this stone Goliath, which is fair enough, right? It's a big stone. But once people came and saw the stone, Augustino was fired. The leaders of the city discovered that the stone had some imperfections in it, and so they believed that it was unusable. This giant stone Goliath then laid in this church graveyard, I think it was, for 35 years, accumulating bird poo, until finally someone came along and thought, actually, maybe, maybe this stone is useful. They then awarded a contract to a sculptor named Michelangelo, who then transformed this useless Goliath of a stone into the beautiful statue of David. When we fail in life, we can beat ourselves up. We can allow the crow, the devil, to discourage us and put us down. You'll never overcome that drug addiction or that porn addiction, the crow says. You'll never cultivate that new habit of reading the Bible daily or praying to the Lord. You'll never be able to control your spending. You'll never be able to control your anger. You'll never be able to be patient with your kids. You cannot resist the flesh. You're pathetic. Sit in a hill may 
Maybe you've given up on yourself and a few things in your life, but God hasn't. Jesus hasn't. He never will. He created you in his image. He saved you and redeemed you at the cross. And now by the power of the Holy Spirit, he wants to work within you and he wants to cultivate fruits of the Holy Spirit in you. He wants to help you build a rule of life. If only you trust him. If only you depend upon him, the ultimate artist who can chisel you into his image. If only you trust him and are patient with him in yourself. See, he'll don't let the crow discourage you. Don't let that rebellious monk within you resist this. Make a rule of life. Use it loosely as a guide. Customize it. Make it your own, but do it. Grab a physical copy, download it off the internet, get a pen and paper and spend time with Jesus and come before him and ask the Holy Spirit to do his thing. You know, I love, love, love how Ignatius, the Bishop of Antioch, said this in the first century. He said, few souls understand what God would accomplish in them if they were to abandon themselves unreservedly to him, if they allow his grace to mold them accordingly. The final thing I want to say about rule of life, and it's got to do with our barbary. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, didn't he? I am the good shepherd. There's a thief who comes to steal and rob and take things away. Trust me, follow me. I am the good shepherd that wants to bring you life and life to the full. And so look, the final thing I want to say about rule of life is as, is as you write one down and you think about your life holistically, you know, you think about your spiritual life, your emotional life, your intellect, your physical life, your, maybe your marriage or your parenting or your mission, or discipleship, your finances, if you write down a holistic rule of life, you write it all down, you think about your habits, there is wisdom in doing that and please do it. But do not be fooled where after you do that, you might think, okay, I'm in control of my life. You're not. You do your absolute best and I encourage you to think about your practices, your rhythms and your habits, but you've got to remember that you are not the leader of your life. You are not the abbot, right? Jesus is in control of your life. He wants you to abide in Him. He wants you to think about your life and how do you intentionally follow Him, but He also needs you to constantly remind yourself the reason why you do all that, the reason why you write a rule of life is to stay close to Jesus and abide in Him, the good shepherd, and trust Him. You're not in control of your life. And what that means is there might be days where there are green pastures. There might be days and seasons where life is going really well and you can live out your rule of life really easily. But there might be other seasons where the good shepherd will lead you down a valley. There may be a dark night of your soul. There may be suffering that you did not expect. And you're like, this rule of life seems like nonsense. No, it's still wise. It's just you're not in control. Keep trusting Jesus. Rewrite your rule of life for that season. Know your limits. Don't be a rebellious monk and resist. Instead, submit your life to Jesus and do so intentionally. See, he'll get this. If, if to bear the fruit of joy, Jesus needs to lead me into a valley of depression, I need to trust him. If to bear the fruit of patience, Jesus needs to send me some challenges, I need to trust him. If to bear the fruit of self-control, he needs to send me pain, I need to trust him. Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. That's the gospel of grace that we know and we love and we follow. 
to be wise and right out of rule of life and try and live it, but also just keep trusting Jesus. If your life doesn't go according to plan, rewrite it, revise it. Ask the Holy Spirit to examine your heart and teach you what He wants you to learn and do here and now. But the end of the day, the whole point of a rule of life is to abide in Jesus, the Good Shepherd. And so do so, follow Him when He leads you to those green pastures, but also into those valleys. Father, we thank you that you love us, you're for us. We thank you that you're God that cares about our whole life, holistically. You care about our relationships, you care about our work, you care about our bodies, you care about our souls. And so Lord, help us to understand that you love us and you're for us and you want us to teach us wisdom, not just about our Sunday mornings, but our whole lives. And so Lord, help us in response to grace to show some effort Help us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Help us to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to you. Help us to think of a rule of life that honors you and stays close to you. And yet as we do that, Lord, may we do so loosely, knowing Jesus, you are the good shepherd and you know the plan of our life, not us. And so help us just keep trusting you all of our days. And we pray this in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.